Good morning. If you look in your program guide, you'll notice in the month of, of August we're doing a sermon series in the Psalms, and I provided what I think is a really important resource for you. If you want to read the Psalms, you want to dig into the Psalms, um, I have compiled a list of different types of Psalms. And you can go use that to connect with it on our website. And it'll give you a listing of all the different types of Psalms that you could read for every occasion. I call it Psalm for every occasion. Whether you're lonely, you're sad, you're angry, you're happy, whatever's going on in your life, you can pick one and you can read it. It's a way of organizing the Psalms. So hope you will make use of that and some of the other resources that are available there. So I'm really, really excited about today because, you know, you know what I like doing as much as preaching? I love teaching something new. And today I'm going to spend a little bit more time teaching on the book of Psalms than dealing with one particular psalm. Because I, I have a goal this morning. I want to familiarize you with the book of Psalms. Because it's a powerful spiritual resource and I think by sharing with you a little bit of background information and sharing with you some different types of psalms, I can make it a more accessible resource for you that you can use. The word psalm, you know what it means? It actually means the word praises. Here's the Hebrew word for psalm. And the Hebrew word for psalm, tehillim, basically means praises. There are 150 psalms, and there are songs of praises. A beautiful thing about this book is that they show the worship of an honest heart, written by multiple authors over a long period of time. They, they share almost every part of our human experience. They talk about loss and sorrow, success and failure, fear and doubt and anxiety. They are private, individual prayers, and then they are prayers that were prayed as a community in times of national loss and celebration. They were occasions that were used to mark special occasions and family moments. It is a songbook that was written by the Jewish people to bring their condition and their humanity before God. A friend of mine, Mark Goldstein, has been teaching me a little bit about uh, the Hebrew scriptures. He told me that the Jewish people, and, and for himself, see uh, the Psalms as like a cell phone addressing our concerns to God. He, he said that whenever I pick up a Psalm and read it, I'm in, I am inviting God into my condition, into my experience. He said the Psalms teach us that we can be honest and real about who God, who God is for us and who we are before God. Because in the Psalms, every possible human emotion is expressed. From anger to joy, from jealousy to fear, from doubt to confusion, to uncertainty, to violence, Every single human emotion. Now, the, the beautiful thing about the book of Psalms is that there are moments in our life when we're not even sure what we're feeling. But when you pick up the book of Psalms, 
you're able to allow someone who wrote something years ago to give voice to what's inside of you. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's like when you hear a song on the radio and you sing the song and it brings out your feelings and emotions. It was written by someone else. The book of Psalms is like that. It's a song that was sung years ago. And when you sing it, it brings out of you the feelings and emotions and thoughts that are inside of you, vocalizing what you may not be able to vocalize for yourself. Mark told me that the Jewish people don't believe these are just words of a song or a poem, but in fact that what they really are are powerful words that when they are spoken, when they are spoken, they have power to bring God into our experience. So let me give you a couple examples of what I call some really honest psalms. You may be surprised. Psalm 6, verses 1 through 7, a little background. Now, over 70 of the psalms were written by David, who was a king. And, and David was a musician, a king, and a poet, and a songwriter. And if you look in First and Second Samuel in the Bible, you will hear stories about David's life. And you can attribute these psalms to some of those moments. Now, it's not written on the psalm. This moment is when this happened sometimes. But you can surmise that maybe this psalm is attached to this moment. And it is believed that Psalm 6 was written when David was in a very difficult moment in his life. He had an affair with another man's wife. He then covered up the death of that woman's husband, tried to cover his own sinfulness. He was then confronted by a prophet and exposed for his hypocrisy and for his sin. And then he had a baby with the woman that he had the affair with. Can you imagine the scandal? He's a king. And the baby gets ill and is dying. And here he is in the psalm just expressing what's on his heart. Why is this happening? God, look at what I've done. He's wrestling with his own guilt. And he says, Lord, do not rebuke me in your anger or discipline me in your wrath. Have mercy on me, Lord, for I am faint. Heal me, Lord, for my bones are in agony. My soul is in deep anguish. How long, Lord? How long? Do you feel that? You ever had a how long moment? Where maybe you, you've made a mistake or you failed in some way or you're experiencing some trauma in your life and you say, Lord, how long will my bones ache and will I be tired and I can't live with this anguish anymore? See how honest this is? And so then he turns to the Lord and he says, Turn, Lord, and deliver me. Save me because of your unfailing love. Among the dead, no one proclaims your name. Who praises you from the grave? I am worn out from my groaning. All night long I flood my bed with weeping and drench my couch with tears. My eyes grow weak with sorrow. They fail because of all my foes. Now that's one example of a very honest and beautifully written poem expressing grief and sorrow. But there's another one that I want to share with you from Psalm 137. 
And this is quite different from the one that we just read. And it was written at a very much later time. David was no longer king. And all of Jerusalem had been destroyed by the Babylonian army. The Babylonian king had sent his army marching into Jerusalem. They destroyed Jerusalem, tore down the temple, burned everything to the ground, killed thousands of people. It was a time of national tragedy and loss and incredible human suffering. They then picked up individuals and people and families and took them to Babylon where they were forced to serve as slaves in a foreign land. Now the Jewish people are asking this question. Why did this happen? God, if you are God, why did you allow a foreign power who worships a foreign God to destroy everything that you had made and created? Aren't we your people? So in this circumstance, we learn that the Babylonian people were tormenting them, taunting them. Sing us one of your songs, songs of your great Jerusalem. Tell us about your great God. Our God is God, and your God is no longer God. So someone sat down and wrote this psalm. By the rivers of Babylon, we sat down and we wept when we remembered our home. There in the trees, we hung up our harps, for there our captors asked us for songs. Our tormentors demanded songs. Sing us now one of your songs of joy. You hear what they're saying? We're not singing. They ask us to sing. How can we sing anymore? And until things get better, we're going to take our harps and we're just going to hang them up in the trees and we're not singing the Lord's song anymore. Let me point this out to you. If you wait until your life is perfect, if you wait until your life is good, if you wait till you get through what you're going through before you sing the Lord's song, you're never going to sing the Lord's song. So I'm going to tell you, somebody this morning, you need to pull your harp down out of your tree and you need to start singing, okay? Your harp's been up there long enough. Now that's just, that's on. He says, how can we sing the songs of the Lord while in a foreign land? Now look at this next part. Remember, Lord, what they did to us? The day Jerusalem fell, tear it down, they cried. Tear it down to its foundations. Daughter Babylon doomed the destruction Happy is the one who repays you according to what you've done to us. Happy is the one who seizes your infants and dashes them against the rocks. Have you ever read that in the Bible? Here's what he's saying. He's saying, God, they did a terrible thing, and our prayer before you today is for revenge and vengeance. What we want you to do is rip those babies out of their mama's arms and dash their heads against the rocks. Now let me ask, is that God's, is that God's, no, that's the prayer of their heart. You see, I used to struggle with these kinds of psalms until I realized the Bible is God speaking to us. The psalms are us speaking to God. And what they are doing is bringing their honest, heartfelt prayer. Have you ever thought about getting even or revenge or anger or hatefulness. Or, we all have those thoughts. And it's powerful that these words are in Scripture because they reveal the human condition. And when we reveal our real selves, God is able to show us. who. You read this and you go, that ain't right. 
God, it's not right what I'm feeling inside. And it's bringing the truth, the truth before God. So the Psalms themselves, the Psalms themselves become, come from a special part of the Bible. The Bible can be divided. The Hebrew Scriptures are divided. And by the way, when you're talking to your Jewish friends, call it the Hebrew Bible. Don't call it the Old Testament because they don't believe in the New Testament. If you want to make an enemy right off the bat, just basically say, your book's old. And, and, re- and, remember, and remember one thing about the Hebrew Scriptures. Remember this. It's their book. Okay? Remember that about the Hebrew Scriptures. So in the Hebrew Scriptures, there is the law, the prophets in history, writings and wisdom. It's divided into three categories. The first is the Torah, Nevi'im. These are the Jewish names. Ketivim. T-N-K. They, they use these letters to describe. And they call the Hebrew Scriptures the Tanakh. That's the word for the Hebrew Scripture. The, the, the Psalms belong to this last category, the writings of wisdom called Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Psalms. You about to pass out yet? Okay. Now let me explain to you. Go back. Let me show you this slide before you. Let me explain how this works. Here's how God talks to us. This is so cool. You'll never forget this. I promise you'll never forget this. The law, God gives us the law in the book of the law. Example, thou shalt not commit adultery. Ten commandments. First five books of the Bible. Prophets in history. Now let me give you an example of what happens when you don't obey God's law. Here's an example from history where David committed adultery with another man's wife. Here are the consequences of his actions. That's in the second section of, this, the, of the history. What are the writings and the wisdom? The wisdom is the collective wisdom of God's people reflecting over their experience. So thou shalt not commit adultery. Here's what happened when David did. And here's a wisdom saying to go along with it. Psalms 7, 15 through 16. Whoever digs a hole and scoops it out falls into the pit that they have made. Anybody dig a pit? <laughs> In other words, this is God's law. And you don't live in the way that God, it's like digging your own pit and you fall in. The trouble they cause recoils on them and their violence comes down on their heads. Now, imagine if David wrote this, right? After what he went through. That is what the wisdom literature is all about. So when you read the Psalms, the Psalms are a powerful book. And what I want to ask you this question then is, if we're talking about honesty, is can we, can we reveal to God our deepest sorrows? Can we do that? Now, there's 42 books of the Bible that say we can. The book of Lament, the Lament Psalms. Now, here's what's interesting. The Lament Psalms are all those psalms in the Bible that express sorrow, grief, and sadness. I want you to feel this for a minute. Do you realize that one-third of all the psalms are psalms of sadness and sorrow? When was the last time you heard me read a lament psalm in worship? When was the last time you went to a funeral and heard a lament psalm? You see, the Jewish people know something that we don't. That there are moments in life when we need to express honestly our grief and sorrow. And that it is unhealthy for us to push it down. 
We don't like those psalms because we don't want to deal with unpleasant feelings and experiences. But there's something very profound in the Jewish experience in the ability to gather together with other people and from time to time read things that express sorrow. Think about how valuable this is. All the things that have been happening in the world when there's a shooting or a tragedy or a loss or some suffering, something unexplainable. When God's people gather together and cry out together, how long, God, will we go through this? Because what you're doing, what we're doing is we're inviting God into it. Walter Brueggemann, a great uh, biblical scholar of the Hebrew Scripture, says that when we don't share the psalms of lament, when we don't use them as God intended them, one-third of them, he says we do ourselves a great disservice by pushing down our feelings and pretending the world is better than it is. But when we do that, we allow, we invite God into our anguish and we invite God to bring healing to our grief, to our sorrow. Now here's what's interesting. These lament psalms, you know what they were? They were songs. They were actually spoken and sung in worship. Now, so let me, let me then share two with you quickly. Here's a lament psalm. Psalm 13, again written by David. Four times he says, how long? How long, God, will you forgive me? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts? Anybody here wrestling with their thoughts? <laughs> Just me? And day after day have my sorrow in my heart? Anybody carrying sorrow in their heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? That is that they're addressing their God. This is see their, I want you to see the rhythm of this. Now they ask God, look on me and answer me, God. Give light to my eyes. I can't light myself up anymore. Or I will sleep in death and my enemy will say I've overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. You know, sometimes the enemy is not another person. Sometimes it's... It's our own selves. Sometimes the enemy is our own fear and anxiety and worry. It's our feelings. But look at the confidence. It moves from addressing God to addressing our concerns to then trust. But I trust in your unfailing love. Unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise. For he is good to me. This is the rhythm of a lament psalm. Now I want to share with you, and I'm not going to put it on PowerPoint, I just want to read it to you. Another type of lament psalm, and it's Psalm 88. And this psalm is interesting and difficult. This psalm, there is no resolution. There is no trust. There is no hope. All it is is darkness. You know the Simon and Garfunkel song? I'm, I'm going to date some of you. You know, Remember who Simon and Garfunkel was? Hello, darkness, my old friend. You know the song? It comes from this song. Psalm 88, he says, I'm overwhelmed with trouble. My life is near death. I'm counted as those I go down to the pit. I have no strength. I've been set apart for the dead. You don't even remember me anymore. You've put me in a pit, God. 
You've overwhelmed me with your waves. Your anger has overtaken me. You've taken my clothes, everything, you've taken everything away from me. And the only thing that is close to me is my sorrow and my loneliness. That's it. Thank you very much, Mr. Psalmist. There's no hope in it. Now, when I first read that, it really, what is that all about? Let me point out something to you. There's a powerful lesson in this song. Sometimes life doesn't get wrapped up with a happy ending. Sometimes things don't get resolved. And sometimes there is suffering in the world that has no explanation. And you can't just attach a cliche to it, a religious cliche. And sometimes when we look at what happens in the world, someone gets cancer and dies. Someone suffers a, a great act of violence against them, some form of human suffering that there is no theological explanation for what has happened. There's no good reason. We don't know why. We don't understand. It is so powerful that this was put in the middle of the book of Psalms. Because what does it say? It says that we can tell God how we feel. And it allows us to identify with people all over the world who suffer. And the very idea that the one that we call Jesus, our Savior, the Son of God, entered into that moment and he himself prayed a lament psalm from the cross and said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Says, it's probably the most powerful example of the love of God that this psalm would be placed in the middle of the Bible. Do you know what this is? These are tear bottles. In the excavation all over Palestine, they would find these little tear, tear bottles. And in times of loss and suffering for a family member who had died or loved, loved one died, they would get with these little bottles and they would collect their tears into the bottles. And they would then bury them with their loved ones. It was their way of expressing their grief to God to say, God, we loved him so much. He's been taken from us. We will never forget him. Here are our sacred tears shed for my friend. Psalm 56, 8 says, God, you keep track of all our sorrows. You have collected all my tears in your bottle and you've recorded each one in your book. This is a God who cares. Can we be honest with God and share our deepest sorrows? Yes, because he collects our tears. And I believe this, that 
the Psalms of Lament teach us, and the Psalms teach us this fundamental, everything comes down to this one thing. I believe that we are made stronger when we bring our deepest sorrow to God. We invite God into our experience. We bring God our true and honest selves to Him in worship. 